0: So, Dr. Vu Li, good friend of mine and one of the best dental photographers that I know, sent uh, this case in the other day and uh, ran by uh, a little treatment plan for me what he wanted to do. A patient came in with uh, six veneers on already, six through 11, and uh, doesn't like the way his teeth look, think they protrude uh, too much. And you can see why the patient thinks that. It's, you know, part of the reason is because the bicuspids look like they're in way too far. And... Um, so what they're talking about doing is, for, for budgetary reasons and some other concerns, he uh, Dr. Lee wants to try to do this in phases, and what he is suggesting is, uh, first of all, develop the buccal corridor uh, with some no-prep veneers, which certainly makes a lot of sense. No reason to prep these teeth if we're going to try to develop this corridor here. and uh, And see if the patient's happy with that. That's a nice conservative approach because at this point, when you just do 6 through 11, It does look like the patient forget to put his partial in, especially with the retractors out. With the retractors in, you can still see at least the bicuspid because the flash is hitting these teeth, but with the retractors out, these teeth really fall into shadow and it does look like there's only six teeth here. So I never do six veneers on six through 11. I'll do four veneers on seven through 10 and leave the cuspids the way they are because then they'll still match the bicuspids or we'll go from second by to second by and go all the way across and do 10 veneers like that because then we'll keep the entire smile intact. But six like this is where we really uh, see that all of a sudden we lose that buckle corridor. So Dr. Lee wants to do develop the buckle corridor and if the patient's not happy with that, then go ahead and replace six through 11 to match the buckle corridor. And I think that's a great idea, nice conservative approach, um, nice way to do it. And he asked what material should he consider using These look to be pressed ceramic, he said, so maybe they're Empress or another pressed ceramic. Well, my veneer material of choice now is pretty simple. I'm always gonna start with Emacs and then have to be talked out of it if I'm gonna go to something else. And if we look at the next picture that he sent, we can see um, why Emacs would be a good idea here. We can look at all the wear that we've got on these teeth. And so, if this is in fact a pressed ceramic, probably, which it probably is, and I think I can see a little fracture line right here, and eh, maybe another one here, a little hard to tell, but that one definitely looks like it might be there. But regardless, if this is a pressed ceramic, and it most probably most certainly is, or a feldspathic ceramic because of the age of the veneers, the flexural strength of this ceramic material is about 100, 110 megapascals. And if we go in and use uh, Emacs, we're going to have something around 360 megapascals of flexural strength. I haven't seen Emacs veneers uh, fracture like this, if these are in fact fractures, since I started doing Emacs veneers. And when I see this kind of wear and this kind of function on these anterior teeth, it just reminds me why. I'm going to place Emacs veneers um, even Empress which some doctors might argue is still more uh, aesthetic than Emacs which might be true if you're just doing one single veneer next to a natural tooth um, I'm going to go with something that's three times as strong like the Emacs instead of the Empress especially when I'm doing multiple teeth just because of how strong it is. I don't think patients can tell the difference. In fact, I've got a couple employees walking around here at Glidewell where from one second by cuspid to a central on one side, we have Empress veneers. And then from this central over to the second by on the other side, we have Emax veneers. So there's literally an Emax veneer here and an Empress veneer here, and you can't tell the difference between the two sides. Very, very minimal, perhaps, but really almost no difference because both sides can be cut back and layered. And so it's, it's almost no difference except the Emax side is three times as strong. And we certainly don't want things cracking or breaking. So in a patient with any kind of wear like this, I'm going right to Emax. Not even a choice, not even a thought for me. And honestly, even without that wear, I'm going to Emax. There, I would have to be talked out of Emax. It looks like the patient already had maybe some sort of issue here, some sort of breakage or recurrent decay because it looks like part of the veneer was removed. And it looks like there's been a patch with some composite that's been done here. It looks like we've already had some wear here. We're missing part of the mesial incisal angle uh, as we come along here. And this looks to be shorter than the incisal edge over here. So there's probably been a little bit of wear um, along that incisal edge as well. Teeth are a little bit squatty. It looks like we're about as wide, maybe a little bit half a millimeter longer. So we should be a little bit longer if we're gonna increase length there. But again, Dr. Lee's idea of just putting a couple veneers on the bicuspids, uh, the patient must not be super unhappy with how these look. Uh, And I think it's interesting to be able to add to those and see if the patient likes it. Another idea could be to have us do a diagnostic wax up on these bicuspids and then take a putty wash impression of it take it off the diagnostic wax up and then put some a bisacril like luxatemp into that putty wash put it in the patient's mouth let it set for four minutes and pull it out And then you would have the bisacryl stuck on the bicuspids, and he could get a preview and see if he liked how it looked. If he liked how it looked, then you could order the permanent veneers uh, and put those on. If he didn't like how it looked, then you could just take these off and and do all the veneers at the same time. Uh, But Dr. Lee's way certainly works just as well, too. Put on the veneers, and if he likes it, great, you're done. If he doesn't like it, take these off and do it. Either way, it's probably six one way, half, half dozen the other. On the retracted shot from the side, Again, you can see just how far in it is. And now we get a look at why these veneers were probably done in the first place. We have something that certainly resembles uh, tetracycline staining here. And we can see some sort of lesion here that some people might call abfraction. Some people might call toothbrush slash toothpaste abrasion here. Uh, And we can see that uh, there's already a little reduction that's been done for us here. And so uh, a no-prep veneer certainly makes some sort of sense. And we can see our... Uh, two PFM crowns, which certainly look markedly different in terms of aesthetics than what we have here in terms of uh, these pressed or feldspathic restorations. And I would certainly expect um, the Emax veneers that uh, go onto these teeth to look better than these restorations do. Obviously, these are uh, almost a decade old. And so the, the newer Emax restorations will look better, even though they're a lithium disilicate and not a traditional porcelain. If we look over at the retracted view on the other side, we see the same uh, type of thing on the other side, except the teeth look a little bit healthier. We notice they don't have that same uh, dark kind of tetracycline look, probably because we have more enamel there. Uh, and really that color, that discoloration that we see from tetracycline staining is in the dentin itself. So. Anytime we have a tetracycline-type patient, our, our tendency, or at least my tendency, was always, well, let's prep a little bit thicker so we can make the veneer thicker, but as we remove the enamel and make the veneer a little bit thicker, um, we get closer to the dentin and so the stump shade always gets darker and so it's, it's always kind of a, a double-edged sword. So Dr. Lee's suggestion of doing no-prep veneers here actually makes more sense and we'll be able to block that out a little bit better. Um, You know, that's not a great shape uh, on this cuspid veneer here on on tooth number six, but again, not a big deal. That wasn't the patient's chief complaint, and he might, in fact, be okay uh, with how that looks once the bicuspids are in place. As we look here at the um, uh, occlusal maxillary shot, uh, we can look and see that uh, it does appear that there was certainly some preparation done on these veneers. They don't necessarily have the look of no-prep veneers, and... uh, I would doubt that uh, 10 years ago that there would have been uh, a material where you could have done a a no prep veneer in a a pressed ceramic back then. Um, There was maybe one system where you could have done it, but it wouldn't have been a pressed ceramic veneer. And if you look at the arch form here, it does appear that there was probably some amount of preparation done. You can see on the lingual that we definitely have a darker tooth structure than we have on the facial. it's not readily apparent as you look at it here. If you just looked at this one shot and looked at the um, uh, the arch form here, it doesn't appear that these buccal surfaces on the bicuspids are that far to the lingual uh, of where 6 through 11 are. I mean, if, it looks pretty innocuous from this angle if I look at it. I would not guess that the buccal corridor was as much of an issue as it is looking from this angle. So that's a little tricky. This is the angle or the photograph that I like to look at most often when I'm trying to decide whether or not Um, I can do no prep veneers or minimal prep veneers on a case like this, but it's really that straight on facial shot, that very first picture that we looked at, it's the one we want to look at when we're evaluating uh, the buccal corridor. And lastly, we'll just take a peek here at the uh, mandibular occlusal shot. And you can see again that we've got some wear on these lower anteriors. We've got all that wear on tooth number 22. And we can tell this is a patient who, uh, I'm, I don't know, I would guess he's got a relative who's a dentist. Look at that, an occlusal gold foil uh, on that lower second buy. That's pretty impressive. This is somebody who has made some investments in his mouth, and when a dentist made a suggestion uh, to him, he said yes and had that little gold foil done. Maybe he's got an uncle who's a dentist or, or something like that, but it's uh, pretty cool to see that in there. This is a patient who obviously has taken the suggestion uh of a dentist uh from time to time or at some point uh in his past so um, we know he knows how to say yes uh to good dentistry so uh, i like uh dr lee's plan here let's we're gonna start off and put um he's gonna start off and put a couple uh, no prep veneers on these bicuspids and see if the patient is happy or not. And if the patient likes it, then the case will be done. If the patient, uh, maybe the patient looks at it and says, you know what, I like how the buccal corridor is, but those veneers look so nice compared to these six in the front. Let's go ahead and redo those. And then Dr. Lee would have an opportunity to take those off and upgrade the ones that we have here uh, to some upgraded Emacs veneer. So if we get an opportunity to get some photographs of the case when it gets finished, we'll certainly come back on another case of the week and show you how the case turned out.